And hello, welcome to the Will Preach for Food podcast. I'm Doug. I am a pastor here at Faith Lutheran Church based out of Shelton, Washington, a congregation of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. You can learn more about us at our website, faithshelton.org. This podcast is being recorded for the fifth Sunday in Lent, March 26th, 2023. I'm preaching through the Book of Romans this spring. The series title is By Grace Through Faith. Today we're looking at Romans chapter 6. So far in the first five chapters of the book of Romans, the Apostle Paul has talked about three universal uh, scenarios, experiences of the human condition, sin, salvation, and suffering. All of us are in the same boat, he argues. We're all bound to sin. We are all saved by grace, apart from any works that we can do. And and suffering is also a universal experience, and, and it's not particularly a sign of blessing or disfavor. Suffering, it mostly just, well, is. And today, Paul addresses a fourth universal human experience, death. I'll begin today by reading a few verses from Romans 6, then pivot to a story about a dead man named Lazarus in John chapter 11. I think understanding the story of Lazarus will help us understand what Paul is talking about in Romans chapter 6, particularly around death and baptism. So reading from Romans chapter 6, beginning with the first verse. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we've been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives... He lives to God. And in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master, because you are not under law, but under grace. Here ends the reading. Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? Paul asks. After all, if I'm saved by grace, if there are no guaranteed direct consequences for my actions and choices, does that mean I can do anything I want? No, Paul says. After all, how can we who have died to sin go on living in it? Now, if you're a bit confused at this point, you aren't alone. So let's read about a dead man named Lazarus in John chapter 11, and then we'll circle back around to what Paul is talking about in Romans chapter 6. 
So now we turn to the Gospel of John, the 11th chapter, beginning at the first verse. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days and then said to his disciples, Let's go to, back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you are going back? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. But Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. Then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I am glad I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. Now, a few comments there. I love how this story begins with two sisters who bring their concern for their brother to Jesus. Lord, the one you love is sick. 2,000 years later, we, we might use email and Facebook to do it, but we still bring our loved ones to Jesus when we pray, right? Lord Jesus, the one you love is sick. Have mercy. Second, I notice that Jesus responds by saying that everything is going to be okay and that this sickness is an occasion for God to be glorified. And I want to tap the brakes a little bit on taking this to mean that somehow God uh, caused Lazarus to get sick so that Jesus could do his thing. But it is true that often we can witness and experience God's grace best when we're going through difficult circumstances, right? Fair enough? Third, People were as bad at talking about death back then as we are now. Even Jesus tries to use a euphemism of falling asleep to refer to the death of Lazarus. His disciples take him literally and he has to spell it out. No, guys, Lazarus is dead. And finally, we learn that returning to Judea, going to Bethany, was actually going to put Jesus and his disciples at great risk. The last time they had been so near Jerusalem, Jesus had almost gotten himself killed. So when Thomas shrugs and says to the rest of the disciples, come on, let us also go that we may die with him. The him is Jesus, not Lazarus. The reading continues in John chapter 11, verse 17. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Mary and Martha to comfort them in their loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. 
Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again at the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who has come into the world. After she said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said. And, uh, oh, I lost my place for a second. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, um, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Now when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. Some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Now, this timeline that we're given, uh, it's hard to say whether or not Jesus could have even gotten there before Lazarus died. Sure, Lazarus has been dead four days, we're told, by the time Jesus gets there, but he had stayed where he was two days. It's hard to say. But we do see here that both sisters confront Jesus with with kind of a part confession, part accusation. Jesus, if you had been here, our brother, your friend, whom you loved, would not have died. Ouch. That had to hurt a little bit. The third thing that we see in here is is, uh, how Jesus weeps. Uh, It's both the shortest Bible verse, he wept, and very much revealing about God's nature, God's character, that God experiences grief and loss. Jesus weeps for his friend and and for their sisters. And how much more God the Father grieves and weeps when, a few days later, his own son will die on the cross. We're tempted to assign Jesus' tears to his humanity, but I suspect that God weeps too. And the story uh, concludes, continuing then at verse 38. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take the stone away, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor, for he's been there four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. 
Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did believed in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. Then the chief priests and the Pharisees called a meeting of the Sanhedrin. What are we accomplishing, they asked. Here is this man performing many signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him. And then the Romans will come and take away both our temple and our nation. Then one of them, named Caiaphas, who was a high priest that year, spoke up. You know nothing at all, he said. You do not realize that it is better for you that one man die for the people than that the whole nation perish. And he didn't say this on his own, but as high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the Jewish nation. And not only for that nation, but also for the scattered children of God, to bring them together and make them one. So from that day on, they plotted to take his life. A few comments there. Just notice how the foreshadowing of Jesus' own death, there's a stone across the entrance of a tomb that's rolled away. There is a description of the strips of linen grave clothes. Second, uh, the, the, rise, the raising of, G, of Lazarus is a sign for the people, not a personal favor. I think some of the hesitation Jesus has is he doesn't want to be doing something just because he's a personal friend. No, this is for the benefit of the people standing here, he recognizes. For better, for worse, we can know this today as well. Jesus does not play favorites because every single human being is a precious child of God. God doesn't play favorites. Third, this public raising from the dead is also the last straw for the, for the Pharisees and the leaders. While many came to believe in Jesus, others saw him as the ultimate disturber of the peace. And so not only do they double down on plans to arrest and kill Jesus, but we learn later in chapter 12 that they also determined to kill Lazarus. It's hard to argue with a dead man walking after all. And finally, in this section, verse 51, says that the high priest had prophesied that Jesus would die for the Jewish nation and for, the, for all the scattered children of God to bring them together and make them one. And that is exactly what Jesus does. Throughout the Gospel of John, image after image, Jesus is the bronze snake who brings healing to the nations. Jesus is the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. Jesus is the one who is lifted up so as to draw all people to himself. Jesus, the living bread from heaven, the light of the world, the way, the truth, the resurrection, and the life. Okay, thanks, Pastor Doug, for helping us understand the story of Lazarus, but isn't this a sermon series on the book of Romans? Well, yes, it is. And in chapter 6, Paul argues that we have died to sin, that in baptism we have been buried with Jesus in his death, that our old self has been crucified with Christ, that we have died with Christ, and that we should count ourselves dead to sin, no longer under the law. And so to understand all this death language, I think it helps to understand the story of Lazarus, helps us make sense of what Paul is trying to say. So for instance, I notice that in Paul's day and in Jesus' day and in this day, we are still not good at talking about death and dying. Like Jesus, we use clumsy euphemisms. Like Martha and Mary, our faith and grief often mask anger and resentment. Why did he have to die? 
And yet everyone does die eventually. Lord, if you had been here, our brother wouldn't have died. Well, that's true, but not really, because eventually Lazarus would die because everybody dies. And Paul, in the book of Romans, argues that death is not all that bad a thing. Because in death, Paul argues, we finally lose our ability to sin, or to blame, or to judge, or to toot our own horn. When we're dead, like Lazarus, we can't do anything except lay in the ground for four stinking days. But we are also, in death, we are free from having anybody or anything telling us what we can or can't do. When we're dead, the law can no longer judge us. Uh, A master can no longer order a slave around. Satan can't accuse us. In fact, when we're dead, the only voice that we can hear and obey is the voice of the one who loves us, Jesus Christ. Jesus tells Lazarus, Lazarus to come forth. Jesus tells dead people to come forth, to rise from the dead into life, into light, and they do it. So baptism, properly understood, Paul says, is not so much about getting us cleaned up and ready for dying. Rather, baptism is a way for us to practice daily dying and rising. There's an expression I've heard regarding Holy Communion. It's an invitation to the, to the Lord's Supper that goes like this. Let us approach the table of the Lord as though we were approaching our death so that one day we might approach death as if we were going to the table of the Lord. And baptism works the same way, says Paul. We get so used to dying and rising, so used to relying solely on God's grace, so used to listening only for the voice of Jesus and obeying him, every day dying to sin, every day rising to walk in newness of life, every day without fear of death, so that like Thomas we can bravely follow Jesus that we might die with him. Daily dying and rising so that when the last day finally comes, we barely notice the difference. This is what Paul calls the life in the Spirit. And this is what we'll talk about more next week. Thanks for listening today, folks. I hope this podcast series is helping you fall more deeply in love with the God who created you, who loves you, and has a purpose for your life. God loves you, after all. Deal with it. So to learn more about faith, go to our website, faithshelton.org. Like us, subscribe, donate, sign up for our newsletter. Subscribe to this podcast on your podcast podcast platform favorite, including Spotify, Apple, and Google. Chaz, thank you for your production work on this podcast every week. And all glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Um...